Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience podcast with myself, Adam Strong. I am pumped, I am energized, I'm excited, and I hope that you guys are too. Wow. So let me just give us a quick introduction. Who is Steve Sims? Well, let me give you an introduction. Steve Sims is someone who has worked with the likes of Elon Musk. He's been, he's been uh, working with uh, also Sir Elton John as well. Uh, he's had the privilege to work with uh, alongside, been interviewed with Jay Abraham. Uh, he's been also uh, had his uh, worked alongside Bernie Eccleston, who's in Formula One. Um, he's also, if you've had the experience, if you've ever had the experience or have ever had these desires or dreams of ever being, um, of ever te- going down as a group and, and seeing uh, the Titanic, you know, so that's the kind of thing that Steve does. Or if you've ever had the dream of, being married in the uh, the Vatican and having Andre and Andrea Botelli, the cla- the classical music singer, um, sing to you. Um, that's the type of thing that Steve does. Um, he goes above and beyond. He's called the real life Wizard of Oz, uh, quoted by Forbes magazine. He's a best selling author uh, with the uh, book called Blue Fishing, which is the art of making things happen. Um, he's a speaker. He's a coach. He's uh, also spoken at various organizations, including the Pentagon, as well as uh, Harvard University twice. So without further ado, please put your hands together. Clap your hands together for Steve Sims. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Thanks for the build up. Now I've got to try and live up to that. Uh, Listen, I just want to start off by saying what a great haircut. Well, you know, it's it's in, isn't it? It's a stylish look. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Listen, I'm excited about today. I really am. And I just want to say I'm super excited about our conversations and uh, and, and what we're going to be talking about. And I uh, just want to say thank you because I know that you're extremely busy. And uh, we've got, a, we've got a, a great audience here on Clubhouse. We've got a great audience coming out on LinkedIn and YouTube. And, wow, it's going to be absolutely amazing. So I'm excited. Good. So good. So you should be. Otherwise, there's no point in doing anything. I agree. I agree. By the way, where are you at the moment? Uh, I've just got back to Los Angeles. I had a, a two-day coaching session yesterday down in Laguna Beach. And now, thankfully, I'm back at home for a couple of weeks. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let's uh, plug here. All right, guys. So, Fat, can you, can you still hear me, by the way, Steve? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. I can hear you. All right, Perfect. So anyway, I just want to start off, by the way, because I know that you've um, you started off as a bricklayer, which is quite interesting. Started off as a bricklayer, and then you started working with celebrities. But I, I guess my my first big question is bricklaying to working with big celebrities. That's a big jump, and um, love to know kind of a little bit more about 
you know, and also you, you, you also kind of dipped your toe as a, as an investment banker as well for, for the one day. <laughs> and and, and yeah. what did they do? They just sack you because you weren't good enough. What was that all about? Yeah. Um, that's exactly it. You've just given the ending away. They did exactly. That. <laughs> I, I was a bricklayer and, um, you know, this was like me and you. We came from a time where we didn't have social media to point out how inadequate our life was. So mm. I just had this, like, gut reaction. You know, something's wrong. I need to surround myself with affluent people. So I went on a journey. I went on a journey to try and find successful people to ask them, how come you're successful and I'm not? You know, that's what I wanted to know. Um, tried doing all the jobs that you would assume would be surrounded by affluent people, yacht charters, jet charters, you know, high-end luxury car rentals. And I eventually managed to get a job as a, a trainee stockbroker. Um, and this was the daft thing. This new job was in Hong Kong. So they flew me to Hong Kong. I got drunk with them on the Saturday and Sunday because I was qualified to do that. Then I did orientation and training on the Monday and I was fired on the Tuesday. So they realized I didn't know anything about the financial world. Um, and I didn't care. Uh, I didn't overthink it. I just tried it and it failed. And I ended up being a doorman thinking, shit, I've gone from a, a skilled profession, masonry work, bricklaying. You know, any of, any of the, the, the manual, you know, plumbing, electrician, bricklaying, roofers, timbers, any of these people, these are skilled professions. And if you don't think they are, then have some work done on your house and get a shit one. And then you'll realize how you needed a skilled one. Um, <laughs> and I've gone from that noble profession to being a doorman where my job was to just slap someone. Um, and it was, I was in a, I was in a slump. I was in a down. I was in a kind of like, oh my God. But then I didn't realize it gave me an opportunity to see how people interacted. Those that are wealthy, they walk, talk, act differently to those pretending to be wealthy. How many of us know someone that's bought a brand new watch and all they do every day is just keep rolling that sleeve up just so you can see that watch, you know? <laughs> if you're really wealthy, you don't give a shit, you know? But if you're trying to show off, and here's the important thing, if you're trying to impress someone else, you buy the watch for their approval. And that's a dangerous place to be in. So I started knowing, noticing psychologically how different people acted. I started throwing parties, getting people into parties. And I have celebrity clients. But the thing is, I have, I have celebrity clients. And then I have clients that bankroll these celebrity clients. And these are people that own things like countries. So about two-thirds of my clients, you've never heard of. They just happen to own, like, more shopping malls in Russia than any other person, you know, or they're the biggest oil, oil tycoons in the Middle East. These are my clients. They could walk down the street and you'll be like, who are you? Yet they're the people that turn around and go, hey, I want Beyonce to sing at my barbecue party or I want to shut down the Vatican for a party. You know, those, those are the kind of clients I have, or I had, should I say, until the, until the book came out. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because, like, what did you what did you learn from learning from these celebrities and you know these you know you know because some of them are like you know Elon Musk you know Sir Elton John I mean they're huge what did you learn from their attitudes from their skill set from their habits did you take anything from them did they have anything of value that you think that you could learn from that 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 you could bring into today's kind of working entrepreneurial world we see, that's the whole point. I never tried to set up a concierge firm. I'm actually not very friendly, and any of my clients that are listening to this are going to tell you that. I'm not <laughs> warm and fuzzy. I don't want to sit around the water cooler and ask you what you want to watch on Netflix. You know, I don't give a shit. You know, I care about what impact you're doing. How can we make your brand better? How can we get your tone, your solution out into the world? Mm. I want to work with impact. And as a bricklayer, I was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I was working all day on a building site, getting shit on, rained on, cutting myself, smacking my head, my hands, going home bruised at eight o'clock at night with just enough energy to scoff some food before I went to bed. So mm. I knew what working a hard day was like. So how come I was working a hard day, but I still wasn't making money? 
So when mm. I went out into the world, I had one goal. It actually wasn't to make money, which may sound stupid now to say. It was actually to ask successful people, hey, how come you're successful and I'm not? I can work hard. I'll work 28 hours in a day. You know, I'll do that. <laughs> but how come you're successful and I'm not? And I made mistakes. I remember the first time I got hold of a wealthy person, I said to him, how come you're rich and I'm not? And I always ask a direct question because then you'll get a direct response. Absolutely. But it was the wrong question. You see, if right. I ask you how rich you are, you straight away start thinking about your bank balance, don't you? You start thinking about your investment account. You know, you start thinking financially. You start thinking about digits and currencies. Well, I'd say so, the average person would, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, how, how come you're rich and I'm not? And they'd be like, well, you know, is $10 million rich, Steve? You know, I used to think, and I'm thinking, that's not the answer I want. I don't want to know how much is in your bank account. So then I started asking people, how come you're wealthy and I'm not? And then that was also the wrong, uh, wrong question because people were going, well, it's because I found God and I found my wife and me and my wife, we connect and we have children and we donate to these founder and it helps us feel good. That's wealth of spirit and body and mind. Mm. But it's still not the answer I wanted. <laughs> so then I realized I was again asking the wrong question. So then the third time I went out and I went, how come you're successful and I'm not? And that encompasses it all. You know, yeah. that encompasses the mindset, the attitude, the focus. That's where the magic started to happen. As soon as I could get that matrix pill of how come they were successful, I realized that the wealth and the financial aspects were a byproduct of a successful mindset. You don't get thin by buying a diet book. You get thin by actioning what's in the diet book. So I needed True. to know what were the action points. So once I started noticing what they did differently, I started actioning that. You know, if someone gave you, you know, tomorrow's lottery numbers, what kind of plank would you need to be to not buy a ticket with those numbers? So as soon as I was getting that information, I was installing it in my life and I was changing. Now, bearing in mind, I was broke. But let me break it down to you. 99.9% .9 of the wealthiest people in the planet started by being broke. Okay? And they adopted a successful mindset and the byproduct became the bank account. So I started using what I'd been learned. I started learning about the success. As my clientele grew, you know, I went from people that were maybe millionaires to billionaires. And then, of course, along the way, it was like Sir Elton John, Elon Musk, Richard Branson. And I could have these conversations and go, hey, what was the mistakes you made and how come you're successful? And by that time, I was able to be, be able to say, and so many people are not. And I could just get this information. And if you want, Adam, I could break it down into three things that I learned. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right. For okay. Because no one wants way, to hear about guys, Well, I was going to say, Steve, for you guys that are listening into uh, on Clubhouse, flash your mics if you want Steve to reveal his five top tips. Because, and also, if you guys are also listening on Clubhouse, make sure that you've invited at least five people to come in and listen. Because otherwise, the world's going to miss out. Seriously, it's crazy. Right. <laughs> so. All right. So, once I discovered that I needed to ask the right question, then I needed to ask the right people. And it broke down into three elements that made every successful person successful. And if you adopt these today, regardless of your financial situation, you'll, you'll get the byproducts of this. Okay? The first thing, they value time differently to you. Now, I said to you, I'm not warm and fuzzy with my clients. I don't want to be warm and fuzzy. I don't care about a big hug. I care about making them more impactful. And I noticed that uh, affluent, successful people, they value the fact that they can make more money, but they can't make more time. True. So when you talk to them, they're like, hey, Steve, uh, I'm glad you're here. 
What are you working on at the moment? How is that affecting you? More importantly, how is it going to affect other people? It's almost like being grilled. I just had a two-day uh, coaching session where I'm surprised there wasn't a spotlight on me every time someone spoke to me because they're like, <laughs> so what are you working on? Why are you working on that? Why do you think you could pull that off? What are the challenges you're getting at? And it's like 90 questions in two minutes. <laughs> and that's the way successful people converse with each other because they want to focus on the impact they could get out of every minute. Now, Love if you it. think of COVID, COVID came along and there were these ass wipes that are obviously not listening to this show. <laughs> they literally sat down and went, what can I binge watch on Netflix? You know, oh my God, what can I eat from the fridge? They're not successful people. They're wasters. They're flakers. Those aren't the people that you want in your life. But then during COVID, when COVID hit, there were all the people that went, all right, Now's the time for me to study. Now's the time for me to read those books I never read. Now's the time for me to focus on what my messaging's like on my website. How am I actually formulating? How am I going forward? Am I happy today? And am I where I was supposed to be that I planned five years ago? You know, all of those things happened when COVID came around. And it was those people that took charge of those minutes they were given. Now, those minutes yeah. ended up taking, becoming a year, okay? But the amount of people, and I was at this event yesterday, everyone in this event said the best year they ever had was COVID because they used it for them and not against them, okay? So that's the first thing. Successful people look at time differently to non-successful people. Number two, you could be writing this down. I'm writing these down. Good man, good man, Adam. How many times do you hear people, and we always mess around and play around, oh, it's the rich that do that. They go, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Let's have lunch. Or let's go on the golf course. How many times do you hear that? And you think to yourself, that's what pompous ass rich people do. Okay? <laughs> but here's the thing. They don't recruit on resumes and on ideas. They recruit on culture. You see, here's the thing. You can recruit someone into your company that's, you know, Harvard graduated, specializes in all the things you need specialized in. But if they're a prick or their vision doesn't align with yours, it's never going to fit. So the whole point of, of rich people doing lunch, playing golf, let's grab a coffee, let's grab a cocktail, is they want to get to know you and what you stand for. The skill sets, they can be taught, okay? But they need to know, first of all, are they recruiting the same culture? And Apple and Google are perfect examples that you used to need a degree to get a job there. They scrapped all of that. They recruit on culture. The skill set, I don't know if you know that, they actually uh, squashed the degree requirement. You know, they recruit on what's your vision, and what your culture is, and what impact you're looking to drive. Learning code, shit, they'll send you on a six-month course, and they'll teach you how to do that. But the important thing is to recruit people that share the same vision. Classic line from, uh, do, do you remember the uh, the famous movie uh, Spartan? Okay. I do, and, I and, do remember that. Yes, I yeah, do. And there's the soldiers there, and they walk up to a bunch of guys with like swords and everything. And they say, look, we've got more men than you. And they go, well, what are you? I'm a farmer. What are you? And they go, we've got soldiers. You know, we're stronger than you. It's not the numbers. It's the culture, the drive, and the shared vision. That's what makes you powerful. So number two is recruit people that share the same vision and culture as you. And then teach them the missing skill sets. That's the easy Love bit. And it. number three, and this is very, very important not successful from success. You're successful from learning from your failures. And every successful person I know, shit goes wrong because guess what? Everything goes wrong. And a successful person leans into it and goes, okay, where did this go wrong? And they learn from that. They want to make sure they don't trip on the same curb twice. A non-successful right. person puts that 10 grand into a project, loses all their money, leans back, holds their head, cries themselves to sleep, throws a pity party and goes, oh my God, I've lost all my money. 
But the successful person leans in and go, okay, where did it go wrong? So successful people, number three, lean into a problem to gain the education. Non-successful people are still uh, throwing their pity party in the local pub. <laughs> you know, I love that, actually. Lean, lean into, into the problem because, you know, it's interesting how people just hide under a rock and take, don't take personal responsibility. It just drives me insane. It pisses me off so much. Um, it really does. But you're absolutely on the money there, Steve, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And it's not me, okay? This isn't me going, hey, gentlemen, ladies, you need to do <laughs> I've spoken to the wealthiest people in the planet, okay? Yeah. You, whenever there's like a Forbes 100 richest list or, you know, the top wealthiest, believe it or not, a lot of these people throw parties to celebrate that they're on that list, okay? <laughs> there are other people that throw parties that have more money that have actually been able to avoid being on that list. Those are the real smart people. And I've been in these rooms. I know these people. I love looking at the Forbes 100 richest people in the planet list and going, client, client, client. So these aren't <laughs> things that I've come up with. These are things that people that can make money. And if you look at the 100 richest people in the planet, how many of them are rappers, rock stars, or, or actors, or actresses, or sports tycoons? It's the guy that invented Walmart, or the girl that invented the widget, or the family that grabbed oil. Some of the richest people in the planet you've never heard of. That's insane. I've got all of our moderators are flashing, flashing, going crazy on Clubhouse. So that's how, that's kind of cool. I love that. Very good. I love it. Listen, I, I wanted to um, I wanted to really kind of ask a really interesting question because you're the type of guy that stands up on stage with a scruffy pair of jeans and a T-shirt. Right. While everyone else is kind of in their, uh, you know, their bow ties or their ties or their suit and booted and whatever it is. What's your what's your um, analogy about this whole kind of dress to impress this kind of stuff? Because for you, you really don't give a shit about what what how you dress and things like that. I mean, maybe you do the odd cocktail party, but when I ever when I see you out on Google and stuff, it's like Steve Sims. This is who I am. <laughs> well, well, any advice for people? <laughs> well, I think you've just explained it. You know. <laughs> do you want to be mistaken by, uh, with all the other peacocks or do you want to stand out? Now, <laughs> you've just said that every time you see me, I look like this, okay? So isn't that kind of good marketing? Now, before, <laughs> before you think, oh, he, he's a genius, we have a company called Sims Media and we train a lot of influencers and people on this. Understand something clearly. If you are in business... Stop trying to brand yourself. Everyone gets in a business and they go, well, I need a pretty website. I need that. No, you need a tone of voice and you need a purpose and you need a solution. You see, here's Love a it. scoop. Two o'clock in the morning. And I'm playing a game with you now, Adam. Two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. You have a headache. You get up, you go to the kitchen counter, you get the headache tablet and you pick up that tablet box and it's in front of you. Okay. Sure. Do you give a shit what the logo looks like? No, not at all. Do you, care, <laughs> do you care about the box? Do you care it's got a pretty little bow on it? Really, as long as it's fixed my problem. <laughs> Bingo. When you show up as a solution, no one gives a fuck what you look like. Okay? <laughs> so what you have to do is you have to look at your company and you need to go, okay, Forget the pretty website. Forget how fat, ugly, short, green, blue I am. <laughs> what is the solution I provide to my clients? Because here's the thing. When you can back up what you say as a solution to somebody else's problem, they no longer care what you look like. I've gone to cocktail parties, not known as a cocktail party, because I'll tell you, <laughs> I like putting a suit on, but I've gone to cocktail parties like this, and people have gone, oh, but that's Steve Sims. That's fine. <laughs> and they, they let it go. Because it's like a standard. I show... Yeah, it's a standard. Every time you see me, if you see me on stage, if you see me riding my bikes down the street, if you see me in a whiskey bar, you can guarantee black jeans, black, black T-shirt, stuff done. 
I'm not going to show up as anybody that I'm not. And I want to, and again, folks, write this down. Today's world where we are in a world of mass distraction and distortion, you, your brand, your solution mm. needs to be impossible to misunderstand. Love it. You know, it's interesting, Steve, because um, you have a very similar attitude as, as a good friend. Well, he's, he's someone that I've been following for quite some time. Gary Vaynerchuk, a bit of a Gary. We love old Gary, don't we? Um, very similar to kind of attitude and whatever it is. But I thought it was actually just Gary that kind of had that kind of attitude. But clearly, clearly there's more of us out there that's kind of uh, revolting against the world, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, Gary's, look, Gary's done a great job at actually uh, perpetuating that image and growing into it. Um, and now he's much more the kind of uh, scruffy New Yorker. <laughs> uh, and uh, he does very well. Uh, does very well for it. But isn't it a shame that the people that are standing out today are the people that you recognise and can relate to? Mm. You know, you know. If you think about the people you're talking about, when was the last time you saw Gary doing a selfie on a plane that he didn't own? Now the guy wow. flies private, but <laughs> a friend, of, a friend of mine said to me once before. No one with a private jet has ever taken a selfie on it. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Hey, so listen, I know that uh, with all these celebrities that you've been working with, now, I'm a big believer about the power of wow, right? So deliver the power of wow. And I know that you do that all the time. But for some of our listeners that are listening in, right, and I love thinking about, well, rather than kind of going, um, what's the word? Trying to go out and getting you clients and thinking, how can I get more? How can I get more? Whereas to look after the ones that you currently got, how would you go above and beyond about delivering the wow experience for your clients? Maybe you could give us some demonstrations from some of the things that you've done with some of your clients and maybe apply that to entrepreneurs and small businesses. What do you reckon? Okay, so we've got a number of things there, all right? Getting a client is one thing. Keeping a client is everything. Mm. Okay, that's the first thing. There is nothing worse than spending your marketing dollars, spending your effort and energy, getting a client, and then going, well, I got that client. Where's the next one? Idiot. Mm. Focus on that client. Do such a good job as though that's your only client that that client's going to want to tell other people about you. You see, now, Love when it. I run the concierge firm before Bluefishing came out and before we started doing the media and stuff, I would literally use my clients as my marketing tool. We never even had a phone number or an email on our website. We mm. would say to our clients, hey, when you're ready, tell your friends about the shit that we do for you. <laughs> and that'd be it. And then we would get these introductions and these referrals. At the top of our tree, at the top of our game, Bluefish had 93 clients. Now, if you're McDonald's and you've got 93 clients, you're bankrupt. But when they're billionaires, that's quite cool. You know? So, we, so focus on your client. And here's the other thing. Don't compete. Okay? Provide. I had a client of mine that absolutely um, loved handmade shoes. And each pair of his shoes, he had, this, he had this cobbler that he would go over to Venice in Italy. And he would even get these leathers from all over the planet, go over to this place in Venice, which he, he'd been to for years. And he lived up north, uh, north California. But he would go over there like three times a year to get a new <laughs> pair of shoes, mate. Okay, now his shoes were probably five grand a pair of shoes. Wow. Okay? And Dang. like some people collect wine, he collects shoes. Okay. And I went to a party for him once and it was a birthday party. Mm -hmm. And all these guys are billionaire. These people were buying like, you know, limited edition this, special vintage mm -hmm. this. The, the presents were all like five grand each kind of thing. You know, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I turned up and I had been on Amazon. And I got a bone, a really nice bone um, 
horse, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, the, the, the shoe tree, okay? So they can oh, slip yeah. it on, okay? A shoe right. slide. So yeah. yeah, so I've got this bone key thing here, bone shoe slide. And I stuffed it in my pocket. Now, when we got to the party, everyone had to put their gifts on the right-hand side by the door and got then it. enter the party. So that guy's not going to know what he got until after you've left, okay? So I walk into the party. I'm chatting away with everyone. He came over, gave my hug, said, hey, man, you know, congratulations. You've survived this long. Happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, by the way, I got a little present for you. And I pulled it out of my pocket. For a start, it was so small that I was able to get it out of my pocket. And it was wrapped up, and there was no box around it. And so he got it. So it was kind of obvious what it was. And he, he kind of pushed it, and it broke through the paper, and he pulled it out. And I said, since 9-11, it's, it's hard to get a metal shoe slide through um, the, the airport security. Okay? Because everything goes off at the moment. This right, one, right. this one won't get stopped at TSA. So you'll be able to take your shoes on and off. Now, he cares about his shoes. He even right. had a climate-controlled room for the leather of these shoes. No. And now I gave him something to complement his passion. Wow. Okay? Now, another example is I knew a client of mine that actually collected vintage bottle of, bottles of wine. Yes. On the top of the wine, there's either foil or there's wax on the top head neck of a bottle of wine right i bought him a foil wax remover which was basically just like a little plastic finger thing with a little yes. bit of kind of like metal in it that you put on the top you swiveled it around and it pulled the wax off the top so he could get to the cork <laughs> this thing cost me like five bucks both <laughs> of those things were under 10 bucks but they complemented his passion and helped him so I always look at not buying you what you love, buying you what will help what you love. Love it. So if you know someone loves jewelry, buy them a cleaning cloth, buy them a carry case. Don't try and buy them jewelry. Buy them something that complements what they love. And keep it cheap, because by keeping it cheap, you're focused on the thought above. Now, the funny thing is, that guy actually has sent me pictures of him on a plane with his shoes off, with his shoehorn and gone, I use this everywhere, I carry it everywhere. Thanks for being so thoughtful, Steve. And every time he uses it, he thinks of me. Love it. So the next time you go down to the dollar store or the pound store, guys, make sure that you're looking around for delivering wow to your clients and complimenting. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> do, do something different. Don't compete. You know, do something that's different and challenging. Love it. And, you know, I love talking about the power of wow because I think it really goes above and beyond of what's expected of you. And, uh, you know, and, and, and you get it in so many different scenarios. And I just think it can be, especially in hospitality, be applied in yeah. so many different realms. Uh, you just demonstrate that, which is good. Um, you taught, um, I know that you're, um, with regards to a lot of people that are kind of what I call sleepwalking, right? You'll get a lot of people sleepwalking out there, right? Just kind of going through the time, Steve, right? But you also, uh, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a visionary, right? And that's same for you. Like you can help people achieve their their biggest desires, biggest dreams, biggest, biggest, uh, um, you know, the, the biggest things that they've ever wanted to achieve. But for people that are listening in right now, that maybe are stuck or they're stuck in a cycle or whatever it is. And, and they're trying to find their way in life, whether it be life or in business or whatever it is. Any tips or advice there, Steve? Yeah, keep doing it. You see, the, the downside is the entrepreneurs today are revered like demigods. You know, if you go back, if you go back 10, 15 years ago and said to a bunch of kids, who do you want to be when you grow up? It'd be like Brad Pitt, Britney Spears. It would be everyone from music or it'd be everyone from the movies. Mm. Now, you say to kids, who do you want to be? They go, I want to be Jeff Bezos. I want to be Elon Musk. I want to be Tim Cook. I want to be Steve Jobs. I want to be mm. Bill Gates. Now, entrepreneurs who, bearing in mind, were laughed at 
are the new rock stars. Mm. Okay. You, if I said to you, hey, you've got the chance of having dinner with, I don't know, Roger Daltrey and Steven Tyler or Elon Musk and Richard Branson. How many people do you think are going to pit Elon Musk and Richard Branson over two iconic rock stars? Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's the thing now. And as entrepreneurs, Elon bearing in mind, slept in a one-bedroom uh, apartment, okay? Uh, Jeff Bezos, have you ever seen the tiny little place where he used to wrap the books and send them out himself? Everyone starts from shit. And it's only failed when you give up. But it's these moments now where the entrepreneur gods up there looking at you going, okay, we're testing you. Let's throw a little bit more shit your way. Let's see if you can get over that or through it. Okay. That's when you earn your stripes. I've been laughed at, ridiculed, sued, ripped off. Uh, I, everything, I won't say possible, but I've had it all. Yeah. That's what gives you your stripes. That's what gives you your scars. That's what gives you your diploma. When you can truly stand up and go, right, I've had all of that, and it didn't kill me, that's when you can call yourself an entrepreneur. Until then, you're a crypreneur or you're a wantrepreneur. So buck up, big boy. Keep it going. You're real, real close. <laughs> I love it, love it, love it, love it. But interestingly enough, I know that um, you're kind of seen as, well, you're known as what they call the real life of Wizard of Oz. Now, I have to ask you, how the fuck do you end up with a name called the real Wizard of Oz? I have to ask you. It's weird because... <laughs> you it's actually double... do look like the Wizard of Oz if you put a hat on you you could actually end up looking like what Dorothy wears to uh, you know to, to oh, Kansas oh my gosh <laughs> thanks for that I when I got interviewed by Forbes when they discovered that there was this guy that was making all of these things happen and this was in the early 2000s and I was on Wall Street Journal New York Times all of a sudden I got a shitload of media um, and Forbes wrote a uh, a very large article on me. I think it was like an eight-page article on me. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, this would be cool. And I thought they're going to take all that information and they're going to make like a, a half a column out of it. But I had one of the largest spreads in Forbes uh, at the time. And I think, you know, I've, I've matched people like, you know, Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson. So this right. expose on what I was getting up to, what I did, who I am, who's the, because bear in mind, I don't have a car. So I would turn up to some of the wealthiest people in the planet on a motorcycle. Um, and that was always me. Um, but when the article came out, it was a friend of mine that contacted me and they went, Sims, you're in Forbes. And I knew I was going to be in Forbes, just not at that level. And they went, they called you the real life Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Because if you think about the real life Wizard of Oz, He's basically like an old pervert that hides behind a curtain. And he's, he's a fraud. He doesn't actually do anything. So oh, when someone God. actually compared me to him, I thought to myself, damn, that guy's a fake. I don't like this. <laughs> but everyone seems to love it and forget the fact that the guy is actually a fraud. Um, so it's one of those weird monikers that I've been given that works well, but still makes me go, you know. So, hey, I'll, I'll accept it. But it was it, I never came up with it. In fact, I think the first company that came up with it was either Inc. Magazine or Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah. And then Forbes just copied it from there. So it's, it's been pretty, pretty crazy. That is pretty funny. Uh, so for you guys that are listening in on Clubhouse, please make sure that you give myself and Steve um, a follow on Clubhouse as well. Um, and also uh, all of our other moderators as well. If you're enjoying some of our conversations, uh, also ping in five people as well. I know that we've got uh, one moderator. Uh, we've got uh, our moderators that want to ask you a question. I know that Melinda is here. So what I'm going to do, Melinda, see if you can uh, see if we can get you through this channel. Do you want to unmute yourself and ask Steve a question? Because I actually firmly believe it's the one thing that's missing. 
in in how we can actually improve our life, in how we can improve and think and grow. So I was listening to your questions and your amazing ability to go through what worked and what didn't work. So first of all, you know, you kind of asked, how did you get rich and so forth? And then you got to a point. And this is something that I continually go on about. You know, how do I improve this situation? You obviously went back and asked yourself so many times, how do I improve this situation? Because obviously you weren't getting what you want, which is amazing. And then you eventually got to the point where you asked the right question. And that's what curiosity is all about. Um, so my question to you is really, with the exception of Elon Musk, because I am fully aware that he's incredibly curious. Who would you say would be the most curious person that you've ever worked with? Great question, Melinda. Did you get all that, Steve? Wow, I did. I did. Um, I think curiosity is king, or in your situation, curiosity is queen. Um, <laughs> my wife has always said that I'm a 55-year-old, five-year-old. I've never stopped being curious. I always want to know what's behind there. My kids used to hate the fact that when we traveled, because we travel a lot, mm. I would always try to find that little door to try and find that little kind of bistro that no one knows other than the family members. Now, trust me, that door has got me into trouble a few times, but I've always tried to find that little thing off the beaten track. Now, you know, my kids won't go to a cheesecake factory. They want to know where the little local mm. thing is, where the dive, and it's a mentality, and it's a demand. So I think being curious is probably one of the greatest skill sets that we are losing and we need. Curiosity and the art of communication, both of those things. Um, mm. I would say that Elon is very curious, but I've met a million people, maybe that's an exaggeration, <laughs> that are just, as, just as curious that just haven't had the ability to be in the public eye yet. I love people that look at something and don't ask, how can we make it better? They ask, why do we need that? And it's the why question. You see, here's a funny thing. Why is the scariest, most abusive word in the dictionary today? I have people contact me. I've got a Facebook page, an entrepreneur's advantage with Steve Sims. Shallow plug there. And people contact me and they go, hey, Steve, I'd like to chat with you. And I respond with, why? And I like it when people look at problems and go, not how can we fix it, but why is it a problem? Why mm. are we looking at that? It's the amount of people out there that during summer fix and grease up the front wheel of that wheelbarrow only to never use it until the following year, and then they repair it again. You know? <laughs> so I love curiosity, but it's the people that have asked why. Elon Musk's a great one. Tim Cook's a great one. Tim Cook's an exceptional one at doing that. But then there's also visionaries out there like uh, Peter Diamandis, um, absolutely a sick Ray Kurzweil, Larry Page. These are some of the most curious people in the planet. And I love Peter. Peter literally has gone, how can we do this? And let's do it. And quite often he'll go, let's do it. And then we'll ask, how do we do it? So I like that curiosity from those guys. Very cool. I hope that answered your question, Linda. Oh my gosh, I, I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Amazing. Thank you. Very good. Very cool. Aslan, did you have a question that you wanted to ask? Nope, he's good. Uh, Ron? I think Ron's on the other line. It's all good. Um, but we also got, who else we've got here? Da, 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 da. Sorry, just looking through my comments sure, sure, sure. coming in so i apologize uh let's see what else we've got here oh by the way i wanted to say to you um we've got also a good mutual friend of ours henry kaminsky uh he says hi by the way hey henry how are you the brand doctor yeah i know that boy <laughs> yeah, yeah, another, cool another good looking bald fella he is a good looking bald fella absolutely because i think that you guys are working on a on a event in uh, austin texas shut right up, now, shut up Shut up. Oh, shut up. We, we, we run events called speakeasies and no one knows anything. So that's okay. as much information. If you want to know about the speakeasy, stevedsims.com. You can find out details about it there, but there will be very few details. So we always keep it Love real it. secret. All good. All good. All good. 
All right, awesome. Um, what I was going to say, tell us a little bit about blue fishing, because I know it's been around for about four years now, hasn't it? Um, where yeah, it's actually... weird. There you go, blue. I mean, it's a very strange title. I mean, tell us a little bit about blue fishing. What, what was, are you a fisherman or something? Uh, do you know, it was weird. Um, whenever I used to throw a party, just for to make it a little bit more interesting, I used to yeah. give people uh, a password to get in. Now, they would pay me, and they would pay me well. I used to throw parties that were like $5,000 a night, and wow. people would pay. And then when they paid the $5,000, I would tell them where the party is, what time it starts, and what the password is to get in. So <laughs> I was selling events, actually giving you no details. It's like my speakeasy. I've, I've told everyone it's in Austin on the 8th and 9th of November. Purchase your ticket here. That's it. I give no information. So <laughs> we used to give all of these funny little passwords. And one of, one of my favorite uh, artists and geniuses in the world was Dr. Zeus. So oh, yeah. one of the passwords was, okay, to get into this party, you've got to finish this sentence. One fish, two fish, red fish. So they would walk up to the doorman and they would go, blue fish. And he'd be like, in you go. And he'd let him in. So it was a funny little password to get people in. And it stuck. People used to come up to me going, hey, 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 you're that blue fish guy. And it was only because of the password. And I'd be like, uh, yeah, okay. And I didn't pay attention to it at the time. But it suddenly became this, oh, you're the blue fish man. And I'd be like, what the hell is blue fish? And all I could ever see was that it was the Dr. Zeus, you know, poem. Um, and along the way, we would do these surprise guests, these surprise trips. We always like to surprise and awe our clients. So then people would go, hey, I went to this party. It was a great party. And Sims, he just blue fished the crap out of it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it became an adjective. So people literally used to send me pictures of where they had bought tickets to like a Beyonce concert. And right. then they had managed to blue fish their way backstage. And here's a picture of me with Beyonce. And so <laughs> it became a mindset, a term of how they did things. And so when I was uh, reached out, they contacted me about four or five years ago. And they said, hey, you should write a book. And I'd be like, I don't know what it'd be called. And they were like, blue fishing. And I, at the time, thought, well, that's a silly name. But we launched it, Blue Fishing, the art of making things happen, not expecting it to be successful. And so far, it's hit bestseller uh, and translated into Mandarin, Chinese, Thai, Vietnamese, Korean. Um, uh, there's one other Asian language that I'm missing. I'm sorry. Uh, Poland is sold out in two hours. In two hours, wow. it hit bestseller. Um, wow. And it's just been released in Russia, uh, in Russian. So, and I get a copy of these. So I'm like, I can't read Polish and Russian uh, or any of the others. So, but as soon as that came out, then I started coaching, training. We launched Sims.media and it just sent me off into a whole different world uh, where I now help entrepreneurs become great, be impossible to misunderstand, to get that tone out there, to get that voice out there. And really get the clients they want and not the clients that they are getting. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Listen, I know that um, I'm conscientious of time as well. Um, I wanted to find out actually, uh, what are you working on right now? Because you know, I, I always love to ask that question purely because I love to make sure that our listeners that are listening in from all over the world can, you know, be of service and give value to you, you know, like you've done for us. So what are you working on right now? Growth and expansion. Uh, I do these, I do podcasts, I do interviews, um, I speak on stages. I'm trying to get the whole point of view out in quite a selfish manner. You see, um, your friend actually spoke uh, earlier, her name, Melinda. She was saying about curiosity. People uh -huh. are curious enough, and if you're not curious, you're not developing, and people are losing the ability to communicate. So I'm trying to get more people to do things that they should be doing that's going to give them longevity, but also selfishly is going to help create a world that I want to live in. You see, at the mm. moment, especially with the advance of AI technology, mm. we're actually speaking to Siri and Alexa more times than we're speaking to our best mate. There was a study <laughs> done. And, and 
Adam, that's not even funny. There was a study done by one of the big universities that you pick up the phone and you speak to Siri and you go, Siri, you know, set the alarm for 10 minutes. Siri, turn the music on. Siri, how old is so-and-so? They're only little seconds. Yeah. But when you accumulate the amount of seconds you speak to Siri in a month, it ends up being longer than the time you spent talking to your best friend. Jesus Christ, man. That's and when insane. you do that, yeah, when you do that, you're realizing you're speaking to an, a robot, an AI algorithm, more times than your best mate. And that's scary shit. That is scary shit. Uh, I, I, that is crazy, man. Yep. Now, listen, um, what I was going to say to you, um, the other thing I was going to say, well, I'm working on something pretty big. Well, I'll talk to you offline about it because um, we, we're going to be launching a really big event uh, towards the end of October, and it's absolutely massive. I'm so excited about it. I really am. I'm super pumped. And uh, and I'd love to uh, sort of collaborate with you and uh, – and uh, and 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 do and have some fun because that's what business is about, right? It's about having oh, yeah. fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, if yeah. you're not having fun, guys, right? I don't know what the, what the hell are you doing, right? If you're What's the point? If you're getting, you know what I mean. If you're getting up every day and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, and you're struggling to get out of bed and you you don't have a vision, you don't, and you just go like as a cog in a wheel. You yeah. really have to question what the fuck are you doing, right? Because the reality is, is that. The, what I found is that the reality is, is not not everyone is destined to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone is destined to be a business owner. That's the reality. What do you reckon, Steve? One hundred. Look, yes, you don't have to say any more than that. If you're not having fun with what you're doing and you're not creating impact, stop doing it. You're doing the wrong thing. Love it, love it, love it. So um, again, just want to say thanks very much for your time. Really, really appreciate you. And um, if people want to connect with you, I guess the best way to, um, if you want to connect with Steve, by the way, the best thing to do is to click on the links below if you're listening to this on the podcast. For you guys that are listening to this on Clubhouse um, and you and you didn't do what I did, which is take a notebook and pen handy, right? Then re-listen to his recording, which is going to be on the Game Changers Experience podcast. Uh, you can uh, listen to that by going to all the wonderful uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, all of that. You can go ahead and find that. Make sure you subscribe to that, and then you'll be able to re-listen to Steve and some of our amazing conversations. Steve, just want to say thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Bless thanks you, brother. Thanks for having me. Appreciate good, it. Thank good. you. You're welcome. Listen, guys, see you on Clubhouse. Just want to say thank you so much for listening in to me and Steve. Hey, you guys. I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.